Hey everyone, how are we going? Greetings from Australia. So, you've tuned in to find out what it's like in a prison, what it's like to work with some of these dirty scumbags, and some actually genuinely funny scumbags. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, and uh, it's all going to be pretty open, pretty honest, and uh, pretty raw, so we'll ch- try and make it a bit more interesting, so I'll try and go into a bit more in-depth so we get a better understanding. Um, I'm willing to take questions too, if you've got any, but yeah, definitely intrigued to see sort of how it goes and sort of see what you think well my journey into corrections pretty much started back in 2008 Um, I was a chef for 15 years um, got sick of that and then basically decided to become a truck driver and I was a truck driver for seven years in a major city and I just got so sick of driving in fucking traffic all the time it was doing my head in. Um, I'd done certificates in management and uh, had uh, wanted to do some people management skills and sort of utilise that a bit more. So, you know, basically driving a truck's very hard on the body and uh, seen an ad for a uh, corrections. Do your part to help the community and uh, that. And I thought, oh, sounds intriguing. So definitely applied, and I think I remember in the thing saying just sort of how much of a um, culture shock it was, sort of going through the uh, asymmetric testing and uh, all the other bollocks that went with it, and um, yeah, sort of missed out on the first round, but managed to get through on the second round, and um, yes, sort of got got through to the academy and the academy was sort of an eye-opener it was pretty intense for like I said from a normal person off the street to trying to sort of ease you into an environment that not many people want to go to it was a bit of an eye-opener so that was uh, sort of a very intensive 10 weeks and um yeah, very, very, very intense. And, oh, sorry, just, you know, thinking back. And then after, basically, we'd um, managed to do all our training and that, um, I uh, we got our placements, and I was placed at uh, Brisbane Women's uh, Correctional Centre for two weeks. And... Jesus, what what a hellhole that was. Um, I don't know if you are aware, but I will tell you. Um, female prisoners will partner up and les up pretty quick. And people who say that they don't, I've seen it. And it does happen. And more than often, it happens. <laughs> And basically, the staffing levels of a female correctional centre here in in Queensland is it has to be 85% staffed by female. 
So, um, they had a, a little thing going around saying it was basically run by the lesbian mafia. And uh, they were the, uh, basically the, the ones that sort of run the jail and sort of had the, told everyone sort of what they were doing and stuff like that. If they didn't like you, then, well, it's stiff backies and stuff like that. But um, I can tell you that they are not short in coming forward. I don't, I, to be honest, I didn't know what to be more scared of, the, the staff, female staff, or the actual prisoners. Um, but, yeah, my sort of, basically, I think my first hour there, I had a female staff member ask me if I was single because she wanted to set me up with her sister. But I was married at the time. Had I known that, I probably would have taken her up on her offer. Um, well... I'll tell you about that another day. Um, so, yes, slowly get introduced to the system, and my God, um, female prisoners are probably the most disgusting, the most conniving, the most um, manipulative and argumentative that you'll ever meet. Um, I remember hearing stories from the female staff when they used to do visits. After a visit happened, a contact visit happened, they would have to, we have to strip search pris- prisoners. Uh, males were never present, um, but some of the girls would get the shits and they would basically take out their bloody tampons and throw them at the staff and just gross and disgusting things like that. But... I got paired up with some um, male officers and they were fantastic and they gave me the best advice and I followed it to the letter and it was always never ever go anywhere by yourself never ever walk anywhere not on the walkways always make sure that you are always on camera and Basically, just look after look after yourself because the female prisoners just are amazing manipulators. They don't like you; they'll get in their head, and they will just make some horrible, horrible accusations up. So, um, while I was stationed in the Brisbane Women's, I was in the protection wing, and. These were the most hated, hated people uh, pretty much on the face of the earth that you would meet. Seems to be the, um, the story of my life sort of going through my correctional um, career. But yeah, these ladies had basically killed their children, had basically sold their ch- children into pornography, had basically involved in incest, and basically had mental health issues as well. But other other ones were just, yeah, just couldn't mingle with humanity. One of the ladies that was there, she was, um, she was there because she, I think they call it uh, Munchausen by proxy, but 
she wasn't like that at all. She was the one that basically said that her child was sick all the time and um, that there was something wrong with her and was always going to a hospital with it. Um, it got to the point where the, the staff actually put a hidden camera in there and uh, what they discovered was this fat, fat cow of a woman was basically she ended up smothering her child while it was in the care of the hospital and she was she was in there and she would have to be most arrogant and demanding piece of shit that I've ever had to manage she was just so self-entitled and this is a lady that basically leaned over and smothered her baby with her with her body weight in a hospital and she's acting like this this is the one thing that i will say about um psychopaths and um narcissists and other sociopaths in the correctional centers is there's no sense of remorse. They don't care what they've done. They just are all about me. And another lady that stood out in the unit was basically a lady, a non, uh, basically a nondescript lady, and uh, didn't think much about it, but found out that her and her husband basically were pimping out their children and making pornography with them and she basically was you know they were raping their kids and filming it and letting other people rape them just for all money and stuff like that and yeah just the reaction from other prisoners like this was a mix of mainstream and protection they basically, if they'd ever met them on the walkways, they would kill them. And it's very, very hard to try and stick up and defend and help someone that you know that have done these things. So that was a very, very uh, eye-opener after my sort of two weeks introduction while I was at the academy and uh, managed to graduate and uh, managed to pick up a contract uh, which is uh, at the Brisbane Women's to start work there um, I thought oh, okay that'll be cool you know the thing is we don't, we don't do any pat downs no strip searching anything like that it was just basically compliance and just there to back up um one one day in the detention unit, there was this rather large Aboriginal lady, and she spent, I would say, five hours constantly just masturbating and uh, working herself up into a freaking frenzy sweat, which is pretty pretty gross and disgusting to sort of say, but... If you were there, it's only a small unit of about 10 cells and all pretty much confined and just the smell and the sounds were, yeah, 
not conducive to a um, nice and healthy afternoon. And um, she wanted to have a shower and she wanted a towel to basically wop up, mop up whatever sloppy juices that were around at the time and the sweat. And they've set times that they have showers and stuff like that, especially in the detention unit because we're controlling their bad behaviour. And she cracked it big time and supervisors had to go in and basically restrain her and handcuff her and basically wait till she had calmed down before they'd um, do anything again. But it took three three guys, one of them was a rather large supervisor, to subdue this rather large Aboriginal lady that had worked herself up into a, a frenzy and basically I'm just a, a from a small country town and you know I spent 10 weeks in the academy and I was driving trucks before that and to see all this is just you know holy shit a um, huge huge massive learning curve and yeah c- couldn't believe it but what ended up happening after after my contract was um, they opened up another prison and all the staff that were in the courts were basically seconded back to the jail. So there was a opening at the courts and they needed all the staff that they could get. And because I wasn't permanent, I was only on a contract, I had to go to the courts. And the courts are basically where we would take in prisoners that were um, uh, shuttled in from all around correctional centres throughout the state and we'd have to basically put them in the cells and then when the the case was called we'd have to make sure they were shackled and take them up in the elevator. It was just two officers, prisoner, handcuffs and then just before we entered the court we had to uncuff them because apparently the judges and the magistrates do not like to see prisoners handcuffed and then we'd sort of put them in their own little dock and there'd be one officer on one side one on the other side there'd be perspex at the back so no one could well attack attack them from the back or basically um you know pass stuff to them and yes there were two two cases while I was in the courts that basically stood out to me and stood out quite a, quite quite significantly. There was a young gentleman there who was going through the court of appeal, appealing his sentence, um, and uh, he was appealing the fact that he was party to a killing of a young young. 16 year old where they stabbed this guy 127 times and decapitated him and used his head as a puppet and were using it as a bowling ball and uh, stuck it up on stuck it up on some punji sticks and yeah this was the court case that I had to sit through and I had to listen to and I had to look after this prisoner and I was looking at this prisoner listening to what had happened 
And basically, I, I can tell you, he, he didn't look scary. He didn't look like a monster. If you passed him on the street, you wouldn't even give him a second look. He just looked totally normal. And for the most part of it, most of the prisoners that you see are like that. So I don't know if that's a bit of a surprise for you guys, but yeah. And yeah, listening to this um, guy's, guy's appeal and basically going through what had happened, the stabbing, the killing, they're basically trying to hack his head off with an axe, a bow saw, a shovel, um, cutting it off with, with the knife. And, and that was just the, the closest I could ever say would be like watching Law and Order, but a lot more graphic and you were actually there. And I was there to basically make sure that this, nothing happened to this prisoner and he didn't try and do a bolt which means he tried to run away or try to attack anyone, like the the legal team or any witnesses. But, yeah, hearing some of the stories and that of what happened was quite quite horrific. And uh, this young man thought that he was... basically stated that he wasn't the one that uh, stabbed this young man 127 times, that happened at his place and um he basically helped this guy um out of fear to basically um dispose of the body which he was hoping he was going to get um basically just charged with interfering with the corpse and um some oh, i think they call it um murder after the fact or notice after the fact but his um appeal was denied and he was still up on the murder charges and that so that was extremely extremely interesting to see see what happens so then the whole process of that is when when someone's sentenced um it's quite amazing it's like there's a bit of calm over them and a bit of shock and they don't know and we lead them out pretty quickly and as soon as we get them out of the door we handcuff them and they're like what what happened they don't get it and we get them in the elevator and we have to explain to them exactly what happened and um uh, what what the judge had said and what the sentencing was. So it was quite quite remarkable to um, to see that and do that. And it happened more than a, a few times that people just stunned. The other time in the court, oh Jesus, um, I had a prisoner. He was a DPSOA. And that means that he was a dangerous sex offender held under the Sex Offender Act. And every 12 months, the justice system has to justify why they have to keep this person in jail and why he is a danger. And in this courtroom, um, there was just myself 
this prisoner, rather large man, I might might add, um, his young his young lawyer, which I must admit looked pretty much like she was just out of university and this was pretty much her first case. And uh, red-haired, skinny, and she had pretty much the same little um, blonde, uh, sorry, brunette little assistant. And um, we were standing behind the, the his lawyer while she was making submissions to the judge. And I was making small talk to the prisoner, keeping things uh, light. And then uh, the young lady was making her things to the judge. And I caught a look of this prisoner that to this day I will never, ever forget. I looked into the face of pure evil. His eyes were black. He was fixated on this lawyer, this young lawyer. And it was scary as fuck. I couldn't believe it. Um, I have never, ever been exposed to this before in my life. And for the first time seeing pure evil, it basically just made the hairs on my hand and my arms stand up on end. And it was uh, just oh, it's so hard to explain. It was just honestly like you'd looked into the face of the devil himself. And I'm sure this is what Ted Bundy and all of those, John Wayne Gacy, um, the looks that they got when they got in that mode scary scary very very scary so um that was quite intriguing to sort of see that and but turned to me and he was talking to me like we were talking before nice jovial polite and i couldn't believe it that this guy was could switch it on and switch it off so fast and I honestly, to this day, I'm not too sure if he got out. I think he did. And this was one prisoner I would never, ever want to see released into the community. I found out later, um, when I got to my actual posting at my jail, I'll talk to, about, talk to you about this later. This will be another posting, but... Oh, he had um, was involved in a oh god, it's disgusting to even say it. He was basically at a psychiatric hospital, and he was sort of being assessed and everything like this. And he managed with a to break out with a um, another prisoner and a young lady, and. Uh, they basically proceeded to rape and basically ended up killing and glassing this, killing this lady with strangling her and basically cutting, uh, killing her with a um, broken bottle. And then they uh, dug, dug a shallow grave in a, um, a golf course sandpit. 
So a few days later, this prisoner managed to get out again and he dug up this young lady and proceeded to fuck her all over again. And he kept returning to her for about three or four times after she was dead and every time she uh, that he'd done what he'd done, he'd just rebury her. So he was, yeah, totally defiling this young lady's corpse. And he ended up in the the jail, a, a jail before the one I got to. And what he'd done was he ended up um, raping a young prisoner, a young man in jail, and he basically required um, stitches and suturing and was very reluctant to give evidence on this prisoner. But, you know, he stepped up and he gave evidence and he ended up getting charged. But this was the same man that I had seen pure evil in his eyes and I knew exactly what he wanted to do to that young lawyer and these are just some of the prisoners that I've had to deal with and I'm sure we'll get to them as uh, time goes by but Yes, if you've got any questions, let me know. I won't hold back. Um, um, I've heard some pretty fucked up shit over the years, and not a lot of people know what goes on in jails, so if this helps you guys understand a little bit better and hopefully might educate you and keep you safe, then I've done my fucking job. So, hope you enjoyed this. I know it's a bit friggin'... A um, bit of a downer to sort of end on, but definitely, definitely more to the stories as we carry on. Radio, ladies and gents, and everyone else, I hope you enjoy your rest of your evening or afternoon. Thank you, and my name's Kerry. <laughs>